Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Many people experience seasonal changes in their feelings of well-being and energy, but for some, there's an overwhelming feeling of being down and even depression. And if you're one of those people, you could have seasonal affective disorder. And here to tell us about that is my guest, Dr. Andrew Clark. He's the chief of outpatient psychiatry at Boston Medical Center. Dr. Clark, what is seasonal affective disorder and how is it different from clinical depression or the winter blues? Sure. So I think it's an important distinction to make between winter blues and seasonal um, uh, affective disorder. Winter blues are a fairly common and, and, and benign condition that people experience as they go through these interminable uh, winter times, especially in the in, in the northern areas, where they get very little sun. They're often indoors more. They often don't exercise as much. And as I say, it's a relatively benign and, and really not impairing condition. Um, seasonal affective disorder is something different and, and, and more severe. It's a full episode of, of major depressive disorder that occurs uh, typically um, in the uh, uh, um, late fall or early winter um, and occurs on a regular basis. So in order to meet the diagnostic criteria, you need to have at least two years in which you have uh, have an episode of major depressive disorder um, uh, occurring. And in my experience, the most likely time is around middle of November after uh, people have um, um, lost uh, the sunlight associated with, with daylight savings time. Who's at risk? Are certain types of jobs, do they contribute? Or if you have a family history of even depression, could that make you more at risk to suffer from seasonal affective disorder? So certainly having a family history of depression or having a history of depression yourself will make you more at risk for seasonal affective disorder. Um, there's a significantly increased risk for people who live in the north as opposed to people who live in the south of the United States. The risk, for example, in Minnesota is much higher than the risk is for someone who's, who's living in Florida. Uh, in addition, women are about four times as, uh, at higher risk than men are, and people who are younger uh, are at higher risk than people, people who are older. So then how do you know? How do you know if you have it or if it's just that you're a little tired of the gray skies or, you know, you're not getting enough vitamin D? What are some of the major symptoms that red flags that you would like to point out? And then who do you go to see about it? So the red flags that you would look for are really those associated with a, with, with a full episode of major depressive disorder. And those can be, um, um, for example, feeling just in a low mood most of the time losing the ability to enjoy the usually uh, enjoyable activities, um, and, and um, having symptoms that really impair your functioning in life, whether that's professionally or, or, or socially, uh, uh, these, are, these are symptoms that, that really do get in, the way, get in the way. In addition, there's a distinctive quality to seasonal affective disorder in that, in that this kind of depression um, tends to manifest with excessive sleepiness. So people really are often uh, very reluctant to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, they have increased appetite, and in particular, they have cravings for carbohydrates like you know, jelly donuts and, and and cakes and pies, uh, and they just have low energy. Um, so it's kind of a sort of a, a mopey, dragging, low energy sort of experience. And when it begins to get, to, to get in your way and, or, or to, to, to impair your functioning, it's probably a good time to think about seeing a professional. 
there's certain things that, that, that people can do just on their own, um, particularly if they're feeling winter blues or feeling feeling low in a way that's not overly impairing. And one thing they can do is to make sure to get out of bed in the morning and particularly to get active and get outside. Exposure to sunlight, and particularly early morning sunlight, seems to be really very helpful uh, for people who are, who are just feeling kind of down. Getting exercise can, can be very helpful. Just sort of forcing yourself to get out of bed every morning around the same time and, and, and be active can, can be a very, very helpful thing. Um, one other thing that people can do when they um, uh, think they may have seasonal affective disorder is to utilize a bright light therapy or phototherapy. Um, people can purchase on the Internet or uh, um, f- um, lights that are a particular intensity, uh, which is of 10,000 lux, that are used to help um, help provide them with intense bright light, particularly early in the morning. And that can help to uh, counteract um, the experience of, of, of so having get, getting so little light in the wintertime. Um, and so if someone wants to uh, treat themselves with bright light therapy, it's often prudent to consult with your physician first, but the side effects are really very minimal. And you can purchase a light um, for anywhere between 60 and $300. And then you need to sit in front of the light for about 30 to 40 minutes every morning. And that has shown to be very effective for about 50% of people that have seasonal affective disorder. The second step people can do is to consult a professional that may be either a, a social worker, a psychologist, or a, uh, or a psychiatrist. Um, and and uh, the, all of these individuals can provide therapy, uh, which has been shown to be quite helpful for seasonal affective disorder, particular cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and then usually considered to be uh, um, sort of a little bit farther down the list in terms of the steps you would take is, is going on medication. Uh, but certainly for individuals experiencing an episode of major depressive disorder, it may well be that, that antidepressant medication could be helpful for them. One final thing that people can do if they, if they, if they can pull it off is to take a vacation. Uh, just having a, a week in, in, in Florida or in the Caribbean in the middle of the wintertime can, can, can do a lot for a person's mood. Wow, what a great answer, Dr. Clark, and real usable tips for listeners. That's what we like to hear. What about vitamin D? There really is very little evidence to indicate that vitamin D as a treatment will help to counteract seasonal affective disorder or or even the wintertime blues. Um, It's thought that eating a healthier diet and a diet somewhat sort of less loaded with carbohydrates can be helpful, but the evidence on vitamin D is really not very impressive at this point. Okay, so let's talk about some other things that people might want to try. What about some of the herbal remedies like St. John's wort? I mean, you mentioned exercise and and some of the other ways that we can do it, but people sometimes look to herbal remedies for these things. What do you think? Yes, and I think, you know, I think there's, there's probably relatively little risk involved with, with, Saint, with something like St. John's wort, which has been shown to be helpful for, for some people. I do think that some of the, the best studied uh, interventions and those with the least risk are, again, uh, um, um, sunshine, sunshine and exercise. But St. John's wort may be helpful for, for, for someone to try. I think what's important to remember is that um, if, you are, if you are trying something on your own and you find that your symptoms are not getting better or that um, your functioning is being significantly impaired, and certainly if you're beginning to feel hopeless or, or at all suicidal, it's very important to seek professional help at that point. You mentioned exercise. What about sleep? Where does that fit in? And, and I, I forgot to ask you about fish oil as well, because that's been shown to improve mood in some people. So speak about the quality of sleep that we're getting and how important that might be to helping stave some of this off. And some of the other things they yes. might try, such as yoga or meditation, where diet fits in, any of these things. 
Sure. Um, so so um, sleep is often impaired or disturbed in individuals that, that, that have depression, and that's certainly true for people with seasonal affective disorder. For people with SAD, however, it's not that they don't get enough sleep, but rather they sleep too much. Um, so they will often go to bed at a reasonable hour, uh, say 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and then just have a hard time getting out of bed. They'll roll over and pull the covers up over their head uh, when the alarm rings and, and, and may stay in bed for, for another two or three hours. And that seems to be counterproductive and actually somewhat detrimental. And so the challenge for those individuals is to force themselves to get out of bed really at the same time every morning and to get up and, 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 get, and get moving. Um, so rather than dealing with, with insomnia, they're actually dealing with what's called hypersomnia or, or, or too much sleep. Uh, and then in terms of, in terms of fish oil, again, yet there has been some evidence um, that fish oil can be can be a helpful thing. It really doesn't seem to have any uh, uh, significant side effects. I think some more recent evidence has called that into question. But again, if it, someone finds it to be helpful, it's really worth trying. It's a relatively low risk thing low risk thing to try. And if I may, just in terms of yoga and meditation, I think that yoga and meditation is, is, is often helpful for people, wonderful thing, things to be doing. And yoga in particular, by virtue of getting someone physically active and, and getting them some exercise, um, can, can be a very helpful thing. Most things, as far as I know, haven't been specifically studied in terms of seasonal affective disorder, but they're generally very helpful for people, for people managing their stress and managing their mood overall. What a great guest you are, Dr. Clark. What a great educator you are as well. Wrap it up. Your best advice for hopefully preventing seasonal affective disorder and what you really want the listeners to know about this and take away from this great segment. Sure. So there are probably two things. I think one is, I think, for people that really are vulnerable uh, to, to getting low in, in the wintertime, it's important to develop your sort of behavioral repertoire uh, uh, ahead of time and, and begin to employ it uh, as soon as the light begins, as soon as you, as you begin to lose the light uh, in the late fall. And the second most important thing, I think, is for people to, to, to be aware that if their mood really gets bad, it's time to seek professional help. I think for many individuals, uh, their mood will become low, and, and it, because it's the wintertime, they're it off as being just something normal or, or, or commonly shared. But if it really does develop into an episode of major depressive disorder, uh, it can be very, very impairing. It's, and it's quite important to seek help at that point. Dr. Clark, thank you so much for being on with us today and sharing your expertise as the chief of outpatient psychiatry at Boston Medical Center. You've given us some great usable tips that people can take with and work with right now if they feel that they're suffering from seasonal affective disorder. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.